Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. We're in a season, if, you're, if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we're in a season called Mountains and Valleys. And uh, we're sharing from the perspective of mountaintop experiences and then also the growth that comes in the valley. Mountaintops are meant to transform you by the glory of God, while the valleys are designed to conform you to be more like Christ. On the mountain, you receive revelation, but how many know in the valley we, we get transformation, right? On the, in the mountaintop, you receive that word, you receive that vision, that thought, you can do it, hope comes to you, and then you hit the valley. And sometimes you might find yourself in the valley and it feels like I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, right? You know, like, are you with me, right? You're walking through a valley, but the growth comes in the valley. You can't spend your whole life on the mountaintop. Not a lot grows on the mountaintop, but you can get a great perspective on things. And when you read the word of God, he takes you to a high place in your spirit where you can see not with what you see in your physical, but what you see with the spiritual and you go, it's going to be okay. When you spend time with God and you get into the word of God, you, you change a perspective where you're like, that issue that I'm facing isn't actually going to overtake me. It's, I, I feel this panic attack coming on, but the reality is that's not actually going to overtake me. You, 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 get, you get a fresh perspective when you get into the presence of God. In that high place, he takes you there when we spend time with him every single day. And here at Authentic Church, you know, our vision is that this would be a place and we would be a people who encounter God that this would be a place where people would discover community. Like you're not meant to do life alone. And some of you, 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 you've been isolated or maybe you've hopped around and kind of checked out this place or gone here. God wants you to be planted in the house of the Lord, not for a pastor, not for a ministry. He wants you to be planted because when you're planted, blessing flows. It says in Psalms, those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. God wants you to have a flourishing life he wants you to have a flourishing ministry, and that happens in life when we get planted. So he wants, to, he wants to plant you. And so if you're new to Authentic Church, I just want to encourage you, man, get planted. Get planted. Whether it's this church or a different church, hey, man, if, if this is not the flavor for you, I want to help you find your flavor. I want to help you find the place where you're going to flourish. And I want to, and I've said this to people that have come and checked out Authentic Church and that it, it didn't feel like a right fit and they went to some other churches that was maybe close to their home. I told them, look, man, don't be a bystander. Don't just sit on the pew. I want you to go all in. So I like, I, I challenged some of these friends of mine. I told them, I want you to get involved, go through their membership class, whatever you need to do. I want you to start serving. I, I mean, I want to hear, I want to hear you report back to me. And, and it's so awesome to see people's lives getting blessed as their whole families have gotten involved into the place of God that, that God had placed them. But if you're here this morning, I believe God's placed you here for such a time as this. There's a purpose. There's, a, there's something he wants to speak to us today. And the title of my message today is Release the Blessing. Can we say that together? Release the Blessing. Some of you, that's, that's not just a declaration. That's like the cry of your heart. You're like, release the blessing, Lord. Yeah, you to speak out, release the blessing on your life. You know, uh, faith for blessing 
comes from a right perspective of who God is. Like there's some people in the body of Christ that they don't, they, they have this image of God, like he's just sitting there withholding all this stuff from them. And it's like, they were bad. And so it's like, well, that's, there's going to be a lightning bolt that comes. And if I'm honest, that's where I was at before I came to faith in Christ. I was raised Catholic. And uh, I tell you what, one thing that I had was a fear of God, but it was not a healthy <laughs> fear of God. It was like the bad things that are happening to me in my life is because I'm an idiot, right? You know, like like I did something wrong. And, and the, the fact is, yeah, there's repercussion of sin, but the fact is God so wants to bless his children. And the blessing of God doesn't always look like what we think blessing would look like. Sometimes the blessing really is in the valley. Sometimes the blessing really is going through hard stuff so he can weed things out of my life. Sometimes the blessing has been, man, when I was just like faced and I felt like I was battling depression, but the blessing with that was God was giving me keys so that I could not only just walk out of it myself, but I could give to other people when they go through hard times. The blessing doesn't always look like the manifestation of the blessing that we have when we wrote it on our prayer card. Like, here's the answered prayer that I'm waiting for God, right? Sometimes our prayer card can become idolatry. Like, I only give because I'm going to be blessed. Will I be blessed because I give? I mean, it's a principle in Scripture. Yeah, yeah you're going to reap what you sow. But there's an element where that becomes, for some people, that could become idolatry. And then when they don't see the blessing, now here's what happens. Where are you, God? Where's your faithfulness? I thought you were faithful. God's like, I'm always faithful. <laughs> Calm your tongue, son, right? Calm down. I'm always faithful. You don't see my faithfulness. You don't recognize what I'm doing in your life. You don't realize the blessing that I'm pouring out on you. Have that posture of, Lord, speak, show, do whatever you need to do, root out whatever you need root out of me so that I can continue to walk in the blessings of God. So faith, it stems from hope, stems from belief. And that's why it's so important to get into the word of God, because when you get into the word of God, well, then he corrects your wrong thinking. So if somebody has a perspective, like, I don't really believe that God wants to bless me, go into the word of God and get the understanding that God is a good father. Go into the word of God that talks about how he blessed this person and that person. And there was series of blessings that God poured out upon his people. Get into the word of God. And at the core of it, you know, God is a father. God is a father. And as a father, he doesn't want to put things on you to harm you. He might allow you to go through some stuff to grow you. But his goal is that he wants to release blessing in your life. And if you don't have the spiritual maturity to handle the blessing that he wants to give you, then the blessing that you receive is that he's going to help you grow in spiritual maturity. Does that make sense? You know, Jesus said in Matthew 9, 29, he says, you know, these people are, they're asking for healing. And he says, as your faith, be it unto you. What do, what do you have faith for? As your faith, so be it unto you. If you don't believe that God is a healing God, it's going to be really hard for you to go and pray for healing when you're sick. If you don't believe that God is a good God and that God is your provider, then it's going to be very hard for you to ask for his help when you're going through a financial difficulty, right? So God wants to grow us and he wants to release blessing. And that blessing is going to look different for every single person 
here in, uh, in the room. I want to go through, yesterday, last week we talked about uh, Moses, and Moses had this mountaintop experience and the burning bush experience. He had this encounter with God that transformed his life. And, and today we're going to really take a look at a blessing that happened in the valley. It is a profound moment that you see in Scripture, in this blessing in the, that came in the valley, it altered the course of human history. So I want to show you it today, and I'm going to take it from the New Testament, and then I'm going to bring you back to the Old Testament. We're going to unpack this. So if you have your Bibles, kind of the two main areas we're going to hang out today is going to be in Galatians chapter 3, and then we're going to dive into Genesis chapter 12. Galatians chapter 3, excuse me, and Genesis chapter 12, and then we're going to get into some other, but if you get to Genesis, you just have to flip a few pages to the other ones that we're looking at. So Paul is writing to the Galatians, and he he makes this statement. He's telling them, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why did that happen? It happened so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Everybody say, blessing of Abraham. If I walked around through churches of Christianity today, and I stood outside like man on the street, and I said, hey, what's your name? Hey, can you tell me what the blessing of Abraham is? And I put out the microphone. I... I, I feel like I would probably get a very mixed amount of answers. And, and I'd be willing to kind of bet that probably 90% of the church does not receive what the blessing of Abraham is. They, they don't understand it. And the, the reason they don't understand is because they never took time to actually study and they never received maybe good teaching on it. But according to Galatians, the blessing of Abraham was so important. Think about this. Christ died to give you it as a Gentile believer. The blessing of Abraham was so important that Christ died for us to be able to partake of it as believers. So Abraham, the blessing of Abraham, let's, let's, let's look at that. What's, what is the blessing of Abraham? Let me show you. Go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. And then we're going to kind of camp out here for a little bit today. Genesis chapter 12 says this. So, so God shows up in Abraham's life and he speaks to him and he says these words. He says, Abraham, get out of your country for your family, for, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So here's, here's Abram. A- Abram, at this time his name is Abram, not Abraham. He hadn't had the H the H factor, the breath of God factor, Abraham. So God took part of his name, Yahweh, the H, he put it into Abraham's name, changed his name. It's one of the reasons actually why in in weddings you see the wife take on the husband's name. It actually, some of that stems from this moment here. And so Abraham, he received the breath. This is before that moment. So Abram, he was a a, a moon worshiper at that time in, in the land and he's dwelling 
talking and then God shows up and begins to speak to him. And during that time, I mean, it was very nomadic. He was a bit of a, a bit of a Bedouin, um, traveling. Uh, I mean, he was camping. Camping was a lifestyle for Mr. Abraham. Okay. And, and, and it, when we think of like Abraham and the incredible patriarch, or you think of like the, the kings of the Bible and the great men of God, you know, sometimes we can get caught up in thinking of the tapestries and in the buildings and everything like that. But it all started with a guy that was out in the countryside that was living out of a tent <laughs> and God came and spoke to him and he believed God. Like he just simply believed God right where he was at with what he had. That's a word for somebody in here. You just need to believe God right where you're at with what you have and trust him. So God says to him, I want you to, I want you to leave and I want you to go to the land that I will show you. So he didn't even show him. <laughs> He's like, I want you to get in your car and just start driving. And then as you drive, I'm gonna show you where to go. I mean, that's kind of what happened. Verse two, God promises. He says, I'm gonna make you a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. But in this moment, God says these words, but we don't see God actually blessing him. That comes later. The blessing of Abraham, let me just give you three key components of the blessing of Abraham, according to scripture. It came with promotion, and you can't help, when you have a relationship with God, you cannot help but be elevated. There's something in your life where there's a change. There's a shift. Your life is elevated. Your perspective is elevated. Your marriage is elevated. Your relationships, your friendships are elevated. Your, you, the workmanship, that when you walk onto the job, that you don't work unto the boss, you work as unto the Lord. And when you work unto the Lord, he's gonna elevate you. So promotion, the first aspect of the blessing of the Abraham was that there was promotion. The second aspect was there was prosperity. There was financial prosperity. God wanted to multiply him. He, he blessed him. And you see it later on in the scriptures where God blessed Abraham. He blessed Isaac. He blessed Jacob. Jacob became Israel. You see the blessing of God on their lives and it actually equated to financial prosperity of their time. Now, I'm not saying blab it and grab it. Uh, the prosperity message and the prosperity gospel, blah, blah, blah. By the way, if you put anything in front of the gospel, it's not the gospel, okay? I'm talking about the fact that God is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. And this is before he actually made the Abrahamic covenant. This is before the covenant. This is just a promise. So he's telling them, I'm going to bless you. Like, this is going to happen. God shares it, but he doesn't bless them in this moment. And there's promotion. There was prosperity God said he was going to give him, And posterity, meaning there's going to be generations. It's not just about you. It's about the people that are coming after you. So many times in, in different people's lives, especially in this day and age, they're looking for the here and now, right? It's all about me, myself, I, my three favorite people in the world, right? And, and, and they, they lose sight of the other generations. The greatest joy comes when you're reaching out, when you're giving into the next generation. So God says, I, I, I'm, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless the generations, 
And actually through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What's he talking about? That's actually a promise. That's a messianic promise of the coming Messiah that would come through Abraham. We'll get into that later. So at, at the core of it, when you take a look at the blessing of, of, of Abraham, this is a promise God makes to him, but he doesn't do it yet. He says, I'm going to give it to you in the land I'm going to show you. Like, you're going to go, and I'm going to show you some places you're going to go there. And then as you obey, then watch what I do. Can I just give you a parenting tip for you parents? Don't bless your children when they're disobedient. Because then you teach them that they can be disobedient, not obey you, and still get whatever reward it was. Like, you know those parents at the mall? You've seen them. Hopefully you're not one of them. Or if you were one of them, you're like, oh, I've kind of done that. But it's like, little Timmy, okay, I'm going to count to 10. And if you don't come here by 10, and it's like one two, Timmy, don't do that. Three, Timmy, no, I said, by the time I get to 10, and I'm thinking like, oh my God, like woman, take Timmy away, you know? It's like we, delayed obedience is disobedience, right? So when you count down like that, what we're teaching our kids is, hey, you don't got to listen to mommy and daddy on the first time. It's okay, Timmy. That's what we're teaching our kids, right? One of the things that we would teach our kids is first time obedience. Like they've heard mom and dad, they've heard us say that a million times in our house. First time obedience, first time obey the first time. If they don't obey the first time, I'm sorry. Yeah, actually you have an early bedtime tonight. No, I'm sorry. You do not get ice cream after dinner. You didn't have the first time obedience. The first time obedience, God honors first time obedience. Obedience brings blessing and obedience, I would say this, obedience shows commitment. When, 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 when you're committed somewhere, when you're committed to someone, there's a level of obedience. And I'm not talking like a dog, like, <laughs> come here. Like, I'm, there's a level of obedience. There's a level of trust that is built based on that commitment. Like my wife and I, we have a commitment. We have a covenant relationship that when we said I do on April 27th, 2002, when she said I do and I said I do, that was a covenant. There's a level of commitment. What I've seen in marriages and relationships is when that commitment starts to wane, then the obedience starts to wane. The trust factor begins to wane. In people's relationships with God, when, when you start to wane because you don't see the blessing that you thought you were going to see, is God really good? That starts to wane. God's saying, no, get back into my word. I want to bring you back up to that place. I want to elevate you right now. I want to speak over you. I want to share some things with you. Let's get this back because when you start to wane, your commitment, your obedience begins to wane. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 14. We're going to go now and we're going to continue on in the story of Moses. So God has this moment with Moses. And then in Genesis 14, something happened. So Moses, at the time, he was traveling with his nephew Lot, okay? And Moses and Lot are going along, and they're starting to be blessed. And then they're, they're, uh, the, the shepherds of Lot are squabbling with the shepherds of, Mo, or of Abraham, excuse me. Uh, the shepherds, are, they're all squabbling about the, the land, and there's not enough places for all of our livestock and everything else. And so Abraham comes to Lot, and he says, hey, it's, better, it's time for us to kind of part ways. You're still my nephew. I still love you, but we need to find space because God is blessing us. And so uh, he tells Lot, choose wherever you want. And, and rather than Lot honoring Abram and saying, no, uncle, you choose wherever you want. I'll take whatever's left over. Lot's like, I'm going to Sodom. And so he's like, okay, cool. And so Abraham settles over here. So Lot, Lot ends up going to Sodom. And, and during that time, now think of it, the, the, the kingdoms were really more so tribes 
So when the Bible talks about kings that were rising up, and during that time there was four kings that were rising up against five kings. One of the five kings was the king of Sodom, another king, the, the king of uh, uh, Gomorrah, and, and some other kings. So when these four kings right up, rise up against the five kings, when you read that, it's really like a massive tribe led by a chief is a good way to think of it. So they're the king, and they're kind of a chief of a tribe. So you have these, these four that are like coming against the five, and then... Uh, they're 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 plundering. They're they're raping. They're they're taking all the stuff. They're taking the spoils of war. Well, they rise up against the five kings. One of them, the king of Sodom, and Lot was living there. Lot, Lot gets carried off away. So news in Genesis 14, when you read it, news gets back to Abram, and they say, "Hey, your nephew Lot, he was taken captive." And Abram's like, "Okay." Tell me where, what happened, etc. So Abram musters up 318 fighting men, which were really like anybody born in his household. You're a servant, you're a shepherd or whatever. In other words, it was like get pitchforks, brooms, and sticks, right? Like cut limbs off trees. That's going to be your awesome club. That's going to be your weapon. And, and we're going to go and we're going to go track down these guys. We're going to go get Lot back. So Abram puts their lives at risk and they go, the 318 men that were raised up in Abraham's family, in his household, and they go and pursue. Anyways, after a series of times, the battles, anyway, they whoop them. And they end up coming back. And one of, one of the things that was good when you, when you whooped an enemy, man, you got the, you got the spoils of war. So they come back with stuff and people and everything else and they bring them back. And then when they bring them back, there's this moment where they're celebrating and they decided to stop in this valley. And, the, and so they set up their tents and I could just picture it in my mind and we don't have the right description there, but I could imagine with the size of people and the size of the family and Abram's family, you could imagine a tent and the tapestries and the, the torches that are burning and they're, they're, they probably have a lamb that's burning over the fire and there's wine and there's bread and they're celebrating the fact that they had a victory. They're celebrating lots back. They're celebrating all these things. And then in the middle of the celebration, this guy Melchizedek shows up. And this is the first moment he appears in scripture and he shows up as if we're supposed to know who he is. Like, it's just like, oh, and Melchizedek's here. And it's just like, okay, who's this guy? We have no idea who he is. So we're gonna pick it up in verse 18, Genesis 14, verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God, most high, and he, Melchizedek, blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hands. And so he speaks that over Abram, and then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So Abraham responded, giving him a tenth of everything. Why a tenth? There's numerous uh, theologies that are out there regarding why it was the tenth. But regard, regardless, that his response was, I'm not going to hold on to the spoils of war. I actually have a heart to give. I have a heart to honor. And, and so he honors God with that. Now, when you look at the number 10, the, 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 you know, the, the, the law was given. There was 10 commandments. There was blessing that came through the law. There's different things that you could, you could find out why. You could pull things through scriptures and see, like, what was it that the number 10 represented all the way back then for 
him. Regardless, he gave Melchizedek a tenth as, as a gift to him. Now, this guy Melchizedek, if you want to really find out about him, you got to read Hebrews chapter 7. The writer of Hebrews spends more time telling you about Melchizedek than anywhere else in the Bible. And so we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 7. We're going to talk about Melchizedek, and then we're going to unpack a few things here before we, we close out our time. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 through 3 says, This Melchizedek was the king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham during returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name of Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. So he's the king of peace and the king of righteousness. Sound familiar? Jesus, right? So the king of peace, the king of righteousness. And it says in verse three, without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the son of God, he remains a priest forever. Now, when you take a look at it, at, at this, this saying that, that it was, it was that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. When you look at that, that saying, Abraham believed God, that that was six times in scriptures. You see that throughout the scriptures. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And when he meets Melchizedek, is Melk, that's king, uh, Zedek, Z Zedeka, I gotta be careful how I say it because my friend who studies Hebrew is in the front row, <laughs> is, is righteousness. And, and it says the king was from Salem. That later became Jeru Salem, the valley where Melchizedek praised this blessing is the valley that's known as the Kidron Valley. Some of you that have read the Bible a few times, that will be a familiar place to you. Why? Because it was the Kidron Valley that Jesus would passed over going into Jerusalem when he was the pure and spotless lamb that paid the penalty of all sins. Kidron Valley was a common place that they would go to. So this moment when they, when, when, when Melchizedek shows up on the scene, the king, the, the king of peace and the king of righteousness, this is a Christophany. So some of you have word uh, theophany. I think we may have a slide on it. Uh, some of you might have word, heard the word theophany. Next, there you go. Theophany is a manifestation of God in the Bible that is tangible to the human senses. In, in its most restrictive sense, it is a visible appearance of God in the Old Testament period, often but not always in human forms. That's a theophany. When, when, when you see the likeness of Jesus, like it said, that, that looks like the appearance of the Son of God, that's a Christophany. So Christophany is basically, it's Jesus before Bethlehem. It's a good way to think of it. Jesus before Bethlehem. The Christophany is an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ Jesus or an appearance of Jesus after the resurrection, especially as recorded in the gospel. So Abram meets Jesus in this moment. And his response is just to give him a 10. When he goes to respond and give him a 10th, in that same time, like just a few scriptures later, you read, the, the king of Sodom says to him, he says, hey, look, you can have the stuff, I just want my people back. 
you, you can have all this stuff as part of the spoils of war for coming with us. And Abram's like, no, I'm not, I'm not siding with you. When you would accept that, that's, that's basically like, we're gonna have, uh, you gave me something, like you gave me a solid, now I, got, now I owe you. And, and so so, the, the king of Sodom is like, here, you, 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 can, you can keep those spoils of war. I just want my people back. Abram's like, no, I don't want any part of that. I don't want to have anything to do with you because I don't want it to be said that you helped make Abraham wealthy. I want it only to be said that God was the one who did this. It's amazing what God will do with the person who doesn't want the credit. It's amazing what God would do with the person that honors him, that pers- puts him first in every area, including our finances. I came to the understanding a long time ago that God can do more with when, he, when I'm left with 90% than if I try to manage 100% of my income. So tithing at first felt like, it feels like you're downshifting into second gear when you're going like 50 miles an hour. But then the more I've lived life, man, the Lord has protected me. The Lord has blessed my family. And I'm like, Lord, I tr- I'm, I, it's, it's my joy to bring to you the first and the best, that first 10%. And by the way, the tithe wasn't the first 10%. It wasn't just 10%. It was the first 10% that leaves our hand. So if I could just pastor you today or to anybody listening to this online, I want to encourage you. God is faithful. And when you take that step of faith and you return the tithe to him, don't just write a check do so from a spirit of faith, like, Lord, I'm putting you first. I'm bringing you my best, and I'm trusting that you're gonna bless the rest. Help me to be a good steward of the 90% that's left in my hands. As a family, a lot of times, uh, we'll, we'll have a moment together where we actually, uh, we tithe as a family, and we'll gather around, and I'll share the kiddos, hey, this, this, this is what mom and dad got blessed with. We're honoring the Lord. And we do it together. My, my, my children, like they, they tithe. They're learning this principle. Why? Because just like Abram raised up 318 warriors in his house, I want to raise up God-fearing, God-honoring warriors in my house. And I hope you do too. So, so Abram has this moment where they stop in the valley. Now, it's interesting, you know, in the, in the valley, this same valley, the Kidron Valley, this, this, this area became a very holy place. Later on, you read that on the other side of the valley would be where Abram would then take his son Isaac and he would bind him. And we're gonna talk about that next week. And, and I hope you come to next week. We're having a back to school service and we're gonna pray for all the, 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 the students that are going back to school. We're gonna be praying for all of you teachers that are gonna be teaching. And we're gonna be praying for you parents uh, as well. It's gonna be an awesome service next week. But, you know, there, there's, this, there's this moment and there's, there's certain moments in your life and in my life that get marked, right? Like you can remember, I had that God encounter here. I had that God encounter when I was at that camp in Kona. I had that God encounter when I was up in the mountains of Pinecrest. I had that God encounter when I walked into Authentic Church on that one Sunday. I had that God, I had a moment where God met me. God wants to meet you. And that place gets marked. And sometimes in life, when you're going along, years may go by where you go, I need to go back to that moment. And there's special places. For me, there's, there's physical places that I feel like, man, God marked this. And, and in my mind, like I created an altar in that moment. I can remember when I sat by that one lake 
and I prayed and I cried out to God for the difficult time I was going through. I, I remember walking around my pastor's uh, church parking lot and, and I'm crying out to God and God spoke to me and I, 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 I reached down and I took a stone and I have that, that rock to this day. And it's a reminder of the faithfulness of God that he came and he spoke to me in a really, really difficult season. I, I remember that. I just want to encourage us as a church body that those moments where God has marked you, those moments God had met you, like do something that helps you to remember that moment. It might have been maybe you were part of the 4,000 baptisms down at Pirate's Cove and maybe there's a little, little thing of sand that you have just propped up on one of your shelves and it's just a reminder, it's just a visual. When the devil tries to come and tempt you, like the king of Sodom came and tried to tempt Abram, you can look and say, man, but God, he's done so much in my life. Like I remember that moment. That valley, by the way, where Sodom, the king of Sodom says that to Abram, where Abram's stopping and having a moment with Melchizedek. Many scholars actually believe that that was the same valley where Satan tried to tempt Jesus, that Jesus, Satan would have brought him to a, somewhere like that and said, said these different things to him and offered him this, that, and the other. In, in, in those valley moments, in those special places, what, what is that special place for you? Sometimes it's a, it's a literal place, uh, sometimes it may be a place in scripture that you read and you go back through the Bible and you read, man, I remember, and you put a date on it. I remember when God said this and you mark it and you highlight it and you, you've written it out and it's like your life verse. Oh man, I remember Psalms 112 and God promises this to me that, that this is going to happen with my family and generations are going to be blessed. I remember that moment when God spoke and you write it down. Sometimes we get going so fast, we forget to go back and reflect on some of those things. So some of you today, I want to encourage you, go back to the valley. Go back to that valley moment where you're reminded the blessing of God in your life. And if you find yourself today and maybe you're walking through a valley, God is wanting to encourage you and he wants to pour out blessing over you. And so I'm actually going to close out today by praying and releasing a blessing, the blessing of Abraham. I want to pray that over your life. As I was praying for you for this, this Sunday and uh, praying against the hurricane, um, which by the way, it's not even raining outside right now. Uh, but I was, I was praying against this, you know, the, the, the hurricane and praying for the Sunday. What the Lord kept reminding me of, he says, I want you to release a blessing over authentic church over this house. And the great thing is that when God releases a blessing over this house, if you're part of it, then it's a blessing on your house as well. And I feel like for, for us, there's times where we've walked in incredible blessings. There's times where the blessing we were receiving was more personal and more relational than necessarily uh, the, the tangible or the physical or the financial. Wherever the blessing might land in your life, I just want to encourage you. I'm praying that faith is going to rise up in your heart to receive. Be reminded just like Paul reminded the Galatians, Jesus died so that you could receive the blessing of Abraham. And the greatest blessing you can have is right relationship with God. That's, that's the greatest blessing that you can have as a Gentile is a relationship with God. Like I'm not Jewish by lineage. 
I'm Jewish by faith. <laughs> like, yeah, like I'm a seed of Abraham. I'm an heir unto the promises of God. If God's spoken, I am part, I'm a partaker of that. And so I want to, I want to pray a blessing on you and over you and speak a blessing. And as I prayed, I, I felt this download and I'm, forgive me, I'm just going to read it from my notes because I don't want to miss anything. But here's, here's, as, as I spent time with God, this was the word that he gave to me over our house. You might begin with the tithe, but soon it will double. The blessing will be so great upon your life that although the tithe seem like a stretch of faith for you, the double tithe will feel effortless because the blessing over your life will be so great. Joy and laughter will be your new normal in life for the blessing of God makes one rich and adds no sorrow. Some have sowed in tears and I declare that they shall reap with shouts of joy. So in Jesus' name, I speak and release the blessing of Abraham over you now. And I just want us to, as we close out today, let's just all stand together. Let's all stand together as we close out. And I just want you to, maybe just as an act of faith, I know it may sound corny, but there's something that's connected when we just reach out our hands to receive. And I just want you to receive. You might do it in the natural, but I'm believing you're receiving in the, in the, in the spiritual. You're receiving supernatural blessings from him. And I just want you to put out your hands. I'm just gonna repeat these words over you if you would repeat these words after me. God, I receive all that you have for me. If I've done anything to stop the flow of your blessings in my life, I pray you would show me right now that I can repent of those. I pray you'd renew a right spirit in me, a spirit of faith, faith to obey. Genesis 12, I'm just going to put it up on the screen and read it over you one more time. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would receive all the blessings the Lord has for you. I pray a blessing over your life, over your family, that you would experience supernatural promotion that can only come from God. I pray that God would elevate you. I pray that you would be able to take and bring the kingdom of God into your workplaces. I pray that you'd bring the kingdom of God into relationships and friendships. I pray you'd bring the kingdom of God with you into your family relationships, that you'd bring the kingdom wherever you go. I pray in Jesus' name that you would experience supernatural prosperity. Like Abraham was blessed to be a blessing, I pray that you would be blessed to be a blessing. 
that there would be no lack in your life. I pray a blessing over your family, over your finances. I pray every bill to be paid. I pray debt to be gone. I pray those that are renters would become owners in Jesus' name. I pray that there would be a supernatural move that the wealth of the wicked has been stored up for you and that you would do good with it, that you would do good and you would operate with wisdom. I pray supernatural prosperity over your life. I pray posterity. I pray the generations around you would be blessed. I pray your marriages would be blessed. Your children would be blessed. Let it be said of our families that they walked in the ways of God all the days of their lives and they dwelt in the house of the Lord forever. I declare in Jesus' name that our children will serve God, that they will never know a day apart from the presence of Almighty God. And for those that are believing for spouses, we pray divine appointments to meet that special someone. God, I thank you, Father, for faith in the waiting, strength in the waiting. God, those that are getting married and engaged to be married or recently got married, we pray a blessing over their marriages in Jesus' name. God, help those two that became one live as one. We declare unity over the marriages of authentic church. In Jesus' name. If you're here with your spouse, just give a good squeeze. Hold hands. I just pray a blessing over your marriage. I pray a blessing over your communication. In the name of Jesus, I pray all pride out of your marriage. That you are humble, you're kind, you're gracious, you're loving, you're generous, you're serving. I pray for the Holy Spirit to move in marriages of authentic church in Jesus' name. I pray that from the young to the old, the baton will continually be passed, declaring the works and the awesomeness, the majesty of God. All that God has done, let those works be declared to the next generation. I pray for the generational pipeline to flourish. Thank you, Father, for the families and the children and the babies being born and the ones in the womb. And we just pray blessing upon those children in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that they're, that they're, they're arrows in the quiver. God, that there's a purpose. So, Lord, we pray a blessing over every womb, every woman that's pregnant right now. We declare in Jesus' name, you will not cast your fruit until it's time. We declare blessing over your body, over your womb. We declare nourishment to that child, that that child will grow up in the house of God. We speak a blessing over your body in Jesus' name. God, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, God. We give you honor and thanks and praise today. And God, I pray that you would help us walk in the blessing of Abraham. You'd walk, help us walk in the blessing that was released in that valley, in that moment. When you showed up, Jesus, when you showed up and you pronounced that blessing over Abram, God, we receive it today. We receive everything that you have for us. But most of all, we receive that relationship with Jesus, that closeness, that unbroken fellowship with you. Romans 10, 9 says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, 
that is your answer. That you declare with your mouth, believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord. And if you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life today, just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. All right, we're all saved in this house. All right, if you would like to receive a greater touch of the Holy Spirit in your life, raise your hand. I'd like to pray for a touch of the Holy Spirit in your life. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you spoke of the Holy Spirit when you said, ask, seek, and knock. That it wasn't just about things, but you specifically were talking about the Holy Spirit. And today we're asking, seeking, and knocking. God, we're asking for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, we pray that you would baptize us with your Holy Spirit. Baptize us, God. I pray, Father, for a freshness of the Holy Spirit. I pray that the Word of God would come alive as we read the Holy Spirit. We just partner with you. That you would lead, guide, direct, counsel us in all areas of life. I pray, Father, for just a release right now and a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit in every person's life that's hungry. God, I thank you that you come and meet with the hungry, that you, that you, that you fill the thirsty. So, Lord, those that are hunger, those, <laughs> hunger, those that are hungry, those that are thirsting, God, I pray that you would meet with them. God, in fresh new ways, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.